Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today, my dear friend and mentor, Aaron Walker, also from the Nashville, Tennessee area here. So let me tell you just a little bit about Aaron, and then we'll jump into some great stuff. Aaron has served his community for more than 43 years as an entrepreneur of multiple businesses. He's had a ton of success, and it's taught him, as he would say, to have no excuses, to make it amazing, and that everything is figureoutable. It was about two decades ago that Aaron had the opportunity to join a peer advisory group with Dave Ramsey and others, which is called a mastermind for those that may not know. And that is the topic of our conversation today. We're going to talk a little bit more about masterminds and the uh, dangers of isolation in life. But it was in that mastermind where Aaron received some wise counsel from other competent leaders that helped him to maximize his potential in life, in his family, in his marriage, in his business, and in all areas. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about. But it was in 2013 that Aaron was encouraged by his mastermind to start the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, a brotherhood of men focusing on developing the whole man, growing themselves, their businesses, their relationships, and their faith, which is one of the things I love so much about it and why I'm a part of this mastermind as well. So over these past 10 or so years, hundreds of men's businesses and families have and continue to experience generational change. And it's just been a phenomenal thing that, again, that I've got to experience since earlier this year and uh, why I asked Aaron to come back on the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast for a second time. Aaron, by the way, you're the first guest that I've had back on a second time. And for our listeners, if you want to hear I'm going to ask Aaron here in a second just to share a little bit of his story before we jump into the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the of the topic this week. But if you want to hear more about Aaron's story, episode number five was a still one of the best interviews my wife, Nicole, and I feel that this podcast has had. So feel back free to go back to episode five. Aaron lives here in the Nashville, Tennessee area with near Nicole and I. We go to the same church. And uh, he's married to his wife, Robin, of 42 years. They have two amazing daughters and five grandchildren, I believe. Is that right, Aaron? Yep, that's right. All right. Well, Aaron, welcome to the Life's Hard. Welcome back to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Thank you so much, Alan. You know, you saved the best for last. I got five grandkids and uh, man, that's why I get up every single day. When you were reading off that bio, it made me think about my career, 44 years. I need to update it just a little bit. It cheated me out of two years, Alan. So I guess oh, 44 man. years, but you know what? I wished I had adopted your tagline because life is hard, but we succeeded anyway. And so as a result of that bio, it made me think through that, man, thank you for having me back a second time. Sometimes I'm like, can we get through with the first interview? But I'm always looking forward to being a repeat guest. And so you've honored me with that. And I'm going to try to add a little bit of value today. So thank you, buddy, for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And you always add value, not only on the podcast, but anytime I get the opportunity to text or talk or see you in person, whatever the case may be. You know, we've titled this episode that isolation is the enemy Isolation is the enemy of excellence. Well, it's that it too, is. It but it's is. isolation is yeah, the enemy. Right, right. 
tell our listeners before we jump into why we're titling this episode that just a little bit, give us the Cliff Notes version of your kind of life story and fast forward, if you will. Yeah, I'll do it real fast. And like you said, you can go to episode five and really get more context of my story. But raised in Nashville, five generations deep here, love it in Nashville, raised a very poor kid, started my first business at 19, had multiple companies over the course of my career. In 2001, Alan, it was like any ordinary day, got up, got going, went to church, prayed with our pastor and five other guys that we did that for years, turned around, headed to the office and unfortunately ran over and killed a pedestrian just a mile from my office. And it really changed the paradigm of my life. And so what I started doing is focusing outward rather than inward. And I told God, I said, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll try to do it better uh, the second half than I did the first half. And so we've really focused outward, trying to help other people accomplish their goals and dreams. I really learned through that accident that I had had huge success financially, but no significance. And we started View from the Top. I even wrote a book talking about how to live a life of success and significance called View from the Top. People say, why is it View from the Top? They ask me that all the time. I said, because nobody wants a view from the bottom, right? We <laughs> all want our view from the top. And so 12 years ago, I decided to retire for the third and final time. And Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Ken Abraham, some of those local guys here, encouraged me to coach. And to be honest, Alan, I'm just going to be totally vulnerable and transparent with your audience like I always try to be. I didn't want to do it. I was tired. Man, I was ready for a break. I've been working since I was eight years old, and I was really ready for a break. And Dan Miller leaned over the desk there in Dave's office and said, uh, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I said, I'm going to go to St. Martin. I'm going to buy one of those little places down there on the beach, and I'm going to rock myself into an oblivion. And At what age is this here in for context? I was 50 at the time. Yes, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Okay. And I chuckled and nobody in the room laughed. And Dan said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. And I was like, well, I was kind of teasing, you know, but the truth is I am tired. Like I've really gone hard, you know, for years we've owned at this point, 14 businesses over the course of that period of time. And I said, I'm really ready for a break. He goes, well, go take a break, but you're too young to quit. So Dave invited me to Entree Leadership to do the Mastery Series, and he said, come be my guest. And then Dan invited me out to the sanctuary to do his event called Innovate, and I fell in love with it. And on the way home, of course, we all live here in Nashville, Dan Miller texted me on the way home, and he said, hey, Big A, did you see the people at your table leaning in when you were talking? And I said, Dan, maybe I'm just a good storyteller. He said, no, it's not that. You've got experience. And experience trumps everything. And they know that you've been down that road and they knew that you could help them. He said, I really think you should consider coaching. So when I went to Entree Leadership, there were two guys there that I just met there. One of them's named Matt Miller, one's named Brett Barnhart. They came up to me during the break on the, about the second or third day and they said, Hey, we want to hire you as our coach. And I started laughing. And I said, Brett, do you realize that this is Dave Ramsey's event? Like I'm just here as a participant because Dave and I are friends and Matt Miller came to me. He lives in Stephenville, Texas. And he said, no, we really want to hire you as our coach. And so, uh, the next day during the break, I went back to Dave's office and I said, man, I got to talk to you for a second. He goes, yeah. And I said, this is your event. But these two guys, and I told him their name, have approached me and want me to be their coach. And he said, praise the Lord. He said, go be their coach. I said, well, this is your event. 
And he said, Big A, go coach them. So I started coaching these guys, and then a couple of guys encouraged me to do podcast interviews, kind of share my story a little bit. So I did, and uh, God just opened the floodgates. And so people started coming, and so now I've done a number of interviews over the past 10 years, and God keeps sending amazing people. And we started Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, and now we have 15 groups, 130 or 40 guys from all over the country and even three or four foreign countries. And God just keeps sending us amazing men that really are small business owners or decision makers. They're family first or faith forward. They really desire accountability in their life and they have some sense of momentum. Those are the guys that we serve. And it's just been really a rewarding, meaningful time in my life. Robin told me the other day, she said, you work harder now than you did when you were working. And I said, Robin, you know the difference? I said, before I was really working for money and now we're transforming lives and that's much more rewarding. Now, don't get me wrong. We still make a living, but the transformational experience that guys have as a result of being in like a brotherhood is phenomenal. So yeah, those are the cliff notes. Those are 44 years of cliff notes. I love it. And I love everything that you're about and everything you're doing. And I'm so thankful that five, maybe five or more years ago now, our mutual friend, Trevor George, introduced yeah. us to each other. I'll never forget that first day we went to coffee together and you made a big impression on me and, and it hasn't stopped because it's who you are. And one thing I noted among other many things, but one of the big things I noticed was you were there to give and to bless and to impact my life and without needing or wanting or desiring anything in return. And I think I've learned a lot from you just in watching you, the way you live your life, the way you do your business. And I just feel so blessed and so honored to call you a friend, a brother, Thank you. and to be in the same mastermind with you. So yeah, I don't want to just, before we get too much further, just take this opportunity to thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, man, that's really nice. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm encouraged by your comments. So thank you. Thank you so much. You know, our friend, just for the audience, this is just a fun tidbit of information. Trevor George moved to Nashville. He's a phenomenal videographer and he moved to Nashville about 10 years ago for one purpose. And that was to become the videographer for Garth Brooks. Trevor and I have known each other for years and years and years, ever since he's been here in Nashville. And a few years ago, he landed that gig. So now he travels all over the world with Garth and uh, Garth lives here in Nashville as well. And he's doing a project here in Nashville and Trevor's filming that he's just, he's top shelf. He's number one in his class for being able to do videography. So yeah, man, a shout out to Trevor. He does a great job and he's a great man. So I'm thankful that he introduced us. Absolutely. And you may not know this big A, but I interviewed Trevor. He was episode 32 on the show telling that story. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to go check it out. Yeah. And it is, as you know, because you guys are friends as well, but what a great story. Yeah, man. It's been really cool. Trevor's a good guy. Trevor's a good guy. Well, let me tell yeah. you a little bit how I got involved in masterminds and the reason that I think they're so valuable. Matter of fact, it's probably the most beneficial to my life in its entirety, in totality, in every area of my life. And it wasn't something that I sought to do. So when I started sponsoring Dave Ramsey's uh, show, he had just started. He had one station here in Nashville and uh, he gave me advertising to try. So that's a long time ago, almost 30 years ago now. And I did 
we spent 21 years sponsoring his show. Well, shortly thereafter, when I started sponsoring his show, to show you God's sovereignty and how God is always working in the background, I had just had this automobile accident. So it was about six years into our relationship. And uh, I'd sold the business. I owned a business in Madison. I'd sold the business and I uh, taken the sabbatical. So it was uh, 22 years ago. It was August 1st, 2001. And it was just a few short weeks after that, I was in a really low spot. I was in a really, really dark place and never been there, obviously. Didn't know how I was going to work out of it. And Robin suggested that we go to a concert here in Nashville. It was at the Curb Center out at Belmont. And we went to the Curb Center and Mercy Me was playing in a Christian group. And we were sitting there and it was about, uh, it was actually halfway through the show. It was intermission. And I was sitting there in the chair and Dave Ramsey walked by and I said, Hey, I said, I didn't even know you were here. And he goes, yeah, we're just sitting a few rolls, you know, ahead of you here. And so he went and got some popcorn or something and he was on his way back and he said, Hey, I want you to come to my office. I want to talk to you next week. And I said, yeah, about what? He said, I'm going to start a mastermind and I want you to join. And I said, Dave, I don't even know what a mastermind is. And he said, just come to the office and I'll explain it. And I think I even shared a little bit of this in the episode that, uh, you had me on before on episode five, but I didn't want to go. I, I really didn't want to go because I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be transparent. I kind of prided myself in being authentic, but if I could hide, if I could be in isolation, I didn't have to answer questions. Right. And I told Robin, I said, you know, Dave is really strong on no debt. He's going to find out that we have debt. I had some real estate debt and he's going to push me on that. And I don't really want to go tell him like, cause I'm a advertiser on his show and I don't know how he'll respond to that. I was a little bit nervous about it. And I said, besides, like, I don't really want to be talking about my private life to 10 guys that I don't even know. And Robin goes, why don't you just go try? And so I did, and I didn't say anything. I just listened week after week. And they started talking about all this real stuff, like real challenges in their marriage, how they were having cash flow problems, various people, how they were having promiscuous children, how they were having rebellious children. There was some addiction that was going on in some of the guys' lives. And even in some of their children. And I went home one day and I told Robin, I said, Robin, they're, they're like telling the truth. <laughs> like they're laying it all out there. And she goes, how does that make you feel? I said, nervous. She goes, what have you said? And I said, not much of anything yet. I said, but I've got some topics that I could really talk on. Well, that was just after my accident, Alan. And so I went back and I opened up about that. Well, we spent months on me helping me work through killing a pedestrian. And it was really, really a dark place. I'm going to tell a quick story. I've only told on a few podcasts, but I think it's appropriate to tell here. There was a guy in our group named James Ryle. You may or may not have heard of James. James was a promise keeper speaker, traveled all over the world speaking. He was the best storyteller I've ever heard in my entire life. And James could tell stories that were unbelievable. And he had such a colorful background himself. Well, we always respected each other's week. We would call each other during the week, but we wouldn't call on the weekends. We would always leave that to our families. So I was at Ace Hardware in Hendersonville. You know where it's at, right behind the Starbucks, right on Galton Road. I do. And I was in Ace Hardware. It was 930 on a Saturday morning. I looked down at my phone. It was ringing, and it was James Ryle. And immediately I thought, something's really wrong. 
or this is going to be really good. Like, I don't know which because they never called on weekends. So I answered the phone and it was James. He said, big A, you got a minute? And I said, yeah, hold on. Let me go outside in the parking lot. I said, it's kind of loud in here. I went out to the parking lot. And to be honest, at this point, I was excited. I was like, man, this is going to be good because James Ryle is the man. This is going to be awesome. And he goes, I was reading today in the book of Isaiah. And he said, God gave me a word for you. And I was really excited then. I was like, this is prophetic. Like, this is going to be like unbelievable. And I said, okay, James, what is it? He goes, well, first let me say that, uh, you're wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. And I laughed and he didn't. And I, I said, excuse me, James. He said, <clears throat> let me clear my throat. You are wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. Well, I could tell then he was serious. He wasn't playing. And I said, James, I don't understand. He said, for months, you've been coming in there complaining and you're down and you're depressed. And he said, it says in Isaiah chapter 41 to take the chains from your neck and move on. He said, it was time you were moving on and hung up the phone. Didn't even give me a chance to respond. Now, Alan, I want to tell you, buddy, I was pissed. You weren't happy. I could have bit a nail into at that moment. I said, the audacity of that guy and call me on a Saturday morning and tell me I'm wearing the hell out of him. And I dare him. And then it dawned on me. I said, he loves me enough to tell me the truth. Wednesday morning, seven 30, I show up at Dave's office. Now I'm a big guy. Of course, you know that that's why they call me big a I'm six, four, I'm a big guy. Well, James is about five, seven, about a buck 50. Okay. I walk around the table. And he tells the story, he said, I thought you were going to kick my ass. I thought that's what was going to happen. And I leaned over and I grabbed him and I hugged him, tears running down my face. And I said, you love me enough to tell me the truth. And I want to tell you something. I picked myself up. I took the chains from around my neck and I moved on. He would not had permission to do that had I not been spending time with him every single week. See, he had done the reps. He had invested the time. He knew my situation. He knew I needed the kick in the pants. He knew I needed that. And who else was going to tell me except for somebody that has spent the time? Listen, it saved my life. There's no question. I'd still be in the fetal position under my desk probably if he hadn't picked me up. That's what we need. We need people in our life that will throw the flag. We need people that will hear us out compassionately, but they'll also throw the flag and say, hey, it's time for you to get up and move on. Success story after success story, I could tell you as a result of the interaction, the different perspectives, the different resources, the different networking opportunities, the guys that would go to lunch with you and hear your business plan, the guys that would listen to you around a table to say, if you would tweak this and modify this, now it will work. And I've got a guy that can do that. It's not the how, it's the who. And let me help you with that. And as a result of that, we've had great success over the years in every area of my life. And that's what we've modeled Iron Sharpens Iron after. We want that level of success for everybody in every arena of their life. I love that. And I love how it's more than just business success. Like you're so clearly communicate that the whole mastermind is all about Iron Sharpens Iron because that's hard to find. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of masterminds. You know, it's become more and more popular. More and more people understand, at least think they understand what a mastermind yeah. is. But, you know, there's masterminds for different niches and different industries and different professions. But to find one like 
ISI. And I guess it sounds like it was modeled after the one year yeah. and Dave Ramsey and, sure. and others were together for how many years were you guys together in a weekly? Uh, 10 or 12 years. Yeah. We met every Wednesday morning, uh, at seven o'clock for 10 or 12 years. Yeah, we sure yeah. did. The thing is, is you, you build a rapport with people when you spend time with them weekly. A lot of guys say, Hey, I get together with my mastermind once a month or once a quarter or twice a year. I'm like, there's so much life that happens. Let's just go back for a second, a couple of years. I don't even like to do this, but let's do it. Let's go back to COVID just for a moment. I had to make decisions hourly, not daily, not weekly, not monthly, not quarterly. Hourly, I had to make decisions because we'd never been there. We'd never done that. And so we needed other smart people around us that already had context. They already knew my situation. I didn't have to go in and explain. The guys in ISI, Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, they already knew. They knew who my family was. They knew Robin, that my superpowers, my kryptonite, my blind spots. They knew my financial commitment, my financial wherewithal. They knew the responsibility that I had. And I could quickly go in like this and make decisions. But here's what happens, Alan. This is sad to me. What happens is, is people wait and they don't build the relationships and they need people and it's too late. You haven't built the relationships. They don't have context to answer the questions. They can't help you. They can give you great sound advice, but it may not be applicable to you. And that's the reason that we need context around people's stories. That's such a great point. I'm going to jump sideline and come right back to masterminds. But one of the pieces of advice I love to give parents, especially parents of young children, and I wish I would have done a better job of this. Thankfully, God blessed us with some relationships with other adults, other friends of Nicole and mine that our children got to grow up with and respect and they got to build relationship with and have the context with like you're talking about so that when they hit the preteen and the teen years and the challenges when dad and mom weren't so smart. Right. I know this is a different context, but it's a similar principle. It is. They then had... They're not even related by blood, but other godly counsel in their life. And it could be grandparents, hopefully, ideally would be aunts and uncles and grandparents and friends, but that could speak into their life with context and with relationships so that it was actually received by the teen. Right. And I say to parents, I say, man, if I could do anything, one of the things I would do differently is I would proactively, when they're little, try to even get more other peer godly people close into their life early on to get that context years before it's needed. And so I think that's such a huge point in the mastermind and, and me being a part of this particular mastermind, you know, not even quite in a year yet, we're still building that context. But nine months in, I have a whole lot more context with the guys than, than had I not started. So <laughs> to start some point is doing that and accomplishing that. And I, I have a question for you sure. on that note. Do you find that there's more because you've been doing this for many for decades. Do you find that more of that help revolves around one particular pillar of a successful and significant life, personal, physical, you know, or personal relational? Yeah. Great question. Great question. So I can answer that. There's two areas that most people struggle the most and it's financial and personal development. And so a lot of the people get into ISI for business because they know I've owned a lot of businesses and we have a lot of business people here and we really do a lot with business. We help you scale your business. We help you really understand how you can maximize your time there. And we do the business stuff. 
But when they start peeling the layers back, they understand that they've really got some relational baggage that they need to unpack. There's some with their spouse, with their children. A lot of guys have some father wounds that they've not dealt with. And I did a keynote speech at our last live event about father wounds and really helping you understand until you deal with those things, right? It's a burr under your saddle. And so we even did an exercise to where we wrote our dad a letter. Some guys gave it to him. Some guys didn't. Some guys' dads are deceased. But I can speak from experience with that because I spent my whole life trying to get my dad to say, I love you and I'm proud of you. And he never said either. And my dad died in 2006. So consequently, I worked really hard and more so than I should have trying to get that confirmation from others, get that you know, affirmation from others, get people to really say, big A, I'm proud of you. You've done a good job, et cetera. And it almost cost me my marriage. Mm. And it did as a result of, I was so aspirational financially that I came home with that pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And my wife said, Hey, I don't want to live like a single parent. I don't want you out just building more wealth and building businesses. And I'm here with Brooke and Holly raising our kids and you know, and you're not attentive when you're at dinner, you will go on vacation. It takes you three days to settle down before you're really present. And all that started to work on me. And I want to encourage your listeners today that are listening to me after 44 years of marriage, after having a 40 year old daughter, a 37 year old daughter, five grandkids, we do have a little bit of parenting knowledge and I want to encourage you to really think through what you're doing as a parent. I want you to think about the amount of time that you're spending quality time with your family. Listen, you only get one go through with the kids. You don't get a do over. You don't get a second chance. I can start more companies. I've proven that I can make more money. I've proven that. But if I mess up at home and some of you have messed up at home, don't let that identify the future. Mm. You put a stake in the ground and go, you know what, what big A saying is correct, but I'm going to turn the ship around. I'm going to do something different from here forward. Maybe you've missed the opportunity with your kids up to this point, but I would encourage you to hang up off of this interview in a few minutes and call your kid and say, Hey, listen, I'm sorry, dad dropped the ball. And I want to start a fresh and a new, I want us to build a relationship now while I'm still here, please forgive me for the areas that I've fallen short and don't hold that against me. Give me some grace and let's go forward and let's make the best of it. See what we do though, is we waller in regret. That's what we do. We wallow in that regret every single day and we neglect to uh, subject ourselves to the forgiveness of the kids. And they, they're, listen, they're forgiving. And some of you may take a little longer than others, but man, there's so much life to be lived from today forward. I don't want you to miss that. And let's just, Hey, don't beat yourself up. You can't undo what was done. Right. But you can start from today. Those that it's not too late and you still got little kids at home. Really put the boundaries around your work, get accountability partners, get yourself in a mastermind, really pour into the people that you care the most about because relationships do matter most and really focus on your kids and don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity with your spouse as well, because it'll take years to undo things that you'll unnecessarily do when you just focus on the business. So man, sit back, take an evaluation, figure out how you can start afresh and anew from today. So good, Big A. So, so much good wisdom there. And, and I'm living proof, my family's living proof that with all the mistakes I've made in the past and coming before them with repentance and humility and, and change, 
and change. That's important that they are so forgiving and, you know, things that relationships that were not ultimately thriving at different points in time can be thriving. And it's just such a blessing, such a blessing. And I I do have a question for you, though. I was thinking about, you know, all these benefits of masterminds. I mean, I could just imagine someone thinking this sounds really good, but I don't know if I'm well, I mean, the benefits sound great, but I don't know if I'm really willing to, like you said, you struggle with really willing to be vulnerable. And I don't want to be called out. I don't want someone texting me and calling me on the carpet at 930 on a Saturday morning, you know, telling me what I don't want to hear. Like, what do you say to that person? Yeah, well, it was a lack of maturity on my part because what I was doing was hiding behind a facade. There was a veil that was artificial and I don't have it all figured out. No one listening to this podcast has it all figured out. Alan, you and I, neither Mm -hmm. one have it all figured out. There's always going to be challenges for us. We're humans. And as long as we live here on earth, there's going to be challenges, regardless of where you're at in your profession. I mean, we have guys that do nine figures a year and they've got as much or more challenges than they had when they were making X dollars a year, you know, something much less. That's not the average. That's the anomaly. But still, my point remains that we all have challenges all along the way. If you make nine figures a year, you just got more zeros on your problems, right? They're just bigger problems, but you still got problems that you got to contend with. We're designed to be in community. We're not designed to be in isolation, right? God created us to be around other brothers, people that can encourage us, that can lift us up, that can loan us their courage when you don't have any, that can give us compassion, that can give us empathy. Here's the misnomer. People think that if I share the truth, they're not going to like me as well. And there's nothing further from the truth. When you're vulnerable and transparent, there's an indelible impression that's made on the other person, and you're giving them permission to do the same. And the leader of the organization, me, I'm very vulnerable and transparent. It gives everyone else permission to do the same. When you say, what do I say to people like that? Do you want to live a facade or do you want to live in reality? Do you want to get down to the basic fundamental principles of life and build on something that's solid? Or do you want to build on a house of cards? And so you just got to make up your mind. I'd rather look foolish in front of 10 people than to look foolish in front of the world. And so I'd rather go into my group, even feel a sense of embarrassment. It's like, hey, I'm struggling with this. The other guys, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. It's like, hey, Alan, how can we help get you from here to there? Where is it that you want to get? Here's the things that you need to do on an ongoing basis. It forges relationships like nothing else, vulnerability and transparency. And I'm just telling you, it's a lie for people to think, well, they won't like me as much if they know this about me. That's just not true. And I've discovered that over the past 25 years. And I've built some of the greatest relationships. I've invested in other companies. I've bought real estate. We've done partnership arrangements. It's a community of people coming together because it's all about the speed of trust. And when you're dealing with people that you trust each and every day, that's the major hurdle that you have to overcome. And now you've got successful people that are financial advisors, small business owners, people that own whatever type of business or their decision makers in their business that are like, weekly encounters that you understand basically who they are fundamentally. You know everything about their family. You know about them as an individual. Who would you want to do business with? Somebody that you really didn't know that has a facade or somebody that you know intimately. That's why people stay in our organization five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years at a time because why would they not? They're growing in every area of their life. They're leveling up. They're building a house on solid foundation. Why would you want to leave that? Because Brett Barnhart hired me 10 years ago to be his business coach. 
And about five years in, I'm like, dude, have, have you learned enough? I mean, he goes, no, he goes, I put you on the payroll. Cause you're always going to be 25 years, my senior. And we'll go on until Jesus comes back or one of us dies. And I'm like, okay. So now we're in our 10th year every week coaching to help him accomplish. And he's crushed it. He's tripled his business. You know, he's amassed a net worth that's exceptional for a young man his age. And there's countless stories like that when you're willing to get coaches, when you're willing to get accountability partners, when you're willing to get in a mastermind group, like who would not want to do that when you can excel in every area? So that's what I'd tell the listener today. I love that. And I love the point that you made about vulnerability. And I think that that really helps me face my fears and exercise courage to know that, and I've experienced this, that when I am vulnerable, people don't think less of you. People don't think less of me. They actually will think more of me or more of whoever is being vulnerable. Because you're real. Because you're real. Here's the thing, Alan. People are starving to death for authenticity. Hmm. They're starving to death for it. They're like, they're tired of facades. They're tired of greasy, slimy, slick. They're tired of that. It's like, hey, let's get in a room. Let's get in a group virtually. And that's what we do. Everything is virtual for us. Twice a year, we get together in person. Then we have regional meetups as well. But when you get together in person, man, you have meals together. You're doing breakout sessions together. You're hearing speakers together. You know, these it's you're forging that relationship even deeper. And people don't have to worry about the greasy, slimy, slick, fast talking. Like it's not who we are. It's not what we want. We want it real and authentic. Is it bumpy? Yeah, it can get bumpy sometimes. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But like I said, don't you want to build something real? And that's just what we've elected to do in our personal life. And so has hundreds of others before us. Yeah. You know, I think in addition to the value one gains from having a personal advisory board of nine other men to speak different perspectives and, and truths into their life mm. is just the community one gets. I mean, assuming there was no other value and there's tons of other value. But the, the thing that I don't hear get talked about a lot is when 10 people or any number, in our case, 10 are being vulnerable and open with each other, that builds strong bonds. And people, mm. I mean, men, women, old, young, I've never, maybe I'm just coming to more of a realization, but I think part of it is our society and COVID probably didn't help the situation. But people are starving for community and authentic relationships and meaningful relationships. Yeah. And you talk about getting, creating that in hyperspeed. You throw 10 people in a room virtually and start getting real and honest and authentic with each other. The connections that are built, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It really is nothing short of amazing. And as a side note, one of the members in my group, I asked him, why did you join or how did you hear about Iron Sharpens Iron? And what he told me was he read your book, Big A, mm. View from the Top. Then I asked the follow-up question and I said, what was it about your book, uh, the, his book, your book, that made you want to reach out and learn more? I don't know if I've told you this, but the answer. No, you haven't. Okay. The answer, the vulnerability. Wow. Obviously the wisdom and success and all that. Yes, of course. But the first thing that he said was the vulnerability. And I said, okay, tell me more. What, what do you mean by that? Do you remember? Is there something specific in the book that makes you say that? He goes, yeah, I'm reading this book. And I remember him talking about that scene where he went hunting. And, oh, yeah. and I don't know if you want to share that scene, but no, I'm happy to. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll let you share it, but that scene about him going hunting and, and the fact that he was so authentic about plotting and planning ways to 
kill an enemy the, of his. The, the, the audience is sitting there going, what is the story? What is the story? Let me tell it real quick. Tell so it. I was, I was in a business deal with a guy here in Nashville and I sold him a condo here in West Nashville. And I was young at the time and it was a pretty significant deal for me in a real estate market. We got to the closing, and when we got to the closing, this was a very shrewd businessman, owned a big company here in Nashville. And we get to the uh, closing table, and uh, he goes, hey, if you'll look on page three of the contract down about halfway, it says in there this. And he read read the clause, and I said, okay, so I'm a young guy, right? I, I wasn't really sure where he was going. And he said, as a result of that, I don't have to pay you X. I have I get to pay you this. And I looked over at the closing attorney and he goes, he's right. And I said, what does that mean in dollars? And he said, uh, it's $41,000 that he doesn't have to pay you. And I looked at him and we'll call him John for this episode <laughs> to protect the guy. I don't know why I want to protect him, but anyway, he leans back in the chair and he laughs out loud and he points at me across the table and he said, I got you. I got you. And I grew to hate that guy. I did. I grew to hate that guy. It consumed my thoughts, Alan. It did. It consumed my thoughts. I needed that additional $40,000 in the worst way. I was a young businessman. I needed that $40,000. And it's probably a hundred thousand dollars today or more. Probably more. Yeah. This was 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So more. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, everything in my mind grew to hate that guy. Like I was wishing him wrong and I was praying for bad things for him. I, I did. I hated him. And, uh, two years later, I get a phone call from Bob Willis, a friend of mine. He said, Hey, big A, we're going out to Buffalo, Wyoming. We're going to hunt mule deer and antelope. You want to go with us? And I said, I'm in. When do we go? He said, two weeks, we're going to leave. And he said, we've got to buy the tags. And he said, uh, just get Robin to bring you. You can ride with me. And here's where we're going to meet at on the interstate at this rest stop. And all the guys are coming. There's 16 of us. I said, okay, cool. I'll be there. So jumped out of the car that morning, four or five o'clock in the morning. And, uh, Robin kissed her. She got in the car and left and I turned around. And when I turned around, well, you know, there stood John. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. We're going to be gone for 10 days. I'm with a guy I hate. So I get in Bob's Bronco. We drive to Buffalo, Wyoming. We get out there. We scout for two days. I haven't spoke to this guy the whole time. We're avoiding each other. Opening morning, I'm sitting on Johnny Zizas property. He's got a 67,000 acre ranch out there. I'm sitting on top of a hill. We'd spotted a lot of nice antelope, a lot of nice mule deer. And I'm glassing the bottom with my binoculars. And I see somebody in an orange vest walking down through the bottom. And it was John about 400 yards away. I'll brag for a moment. I'm a very, very good shot with a rifle. You don't want me shooting at you with a rifle. And I started plotting. I'm going to kill John. I was for real. I wasn't playing. I was for real. I was like, Hey, I'm shooting a 270, you know, travels 2,350 feet a second. He won't never know what hit him. I'm going to kill him. I had the gun in my hands and I was shaking and I put the gun down. I said, what is happening to me? What is going on? I mean, I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a deacon at our church. I'm noted in the community. I've got a successful company. And I'm fixing to kill somebody. And I didn't. <laughs> I tease now and I say the only reason I didn't, he was wearing an orange vest. I don't know how I would have communicated that the antelope had on an orange vest. But so we get in the car a week later, 10 days have gone by. Me and John haven't spoke. 
we get on the interstate, we head home, we get 60 miles outside of Nashville and John's Bronco breaks down on the side of the interstate. Now, why I did this? I have no idea. I had 10 days to do this, but I didn't do it. I got out of the Bronco. I walked up to him and I said, John, get somebody to drive me to my house. I've got a K five blazer. I said, uh, you can borrow it until you get yours fixed. And he looked at me and he said, why are you doing this? I said, I want to help you. So we got in another guy's car, drove 60 more miles. We got in my driveway. Now we're alone. Nobody else is around. And he looks at me and he said, I'm going to pay you back that money. I said, I don't want the money. He said, why did you do this? I said, I'm relinquishing you for me, not for you. I said, because it has devastated my life for two years because I've hated you. Here's what happens, Alan. We use that as a filter in every decision we make. Everything we think through goes through that bitterness, goes through that hatred. And I forgave him that day. He didn't give me the money back and I'm good with it. I forgave him. You see, you know, when you have forgiven somebody, when you quit demanding justice Mm. and see, I didn't wish him bad anymore. And I let him go. There's people listening to this interview right now that you have people in your life. You need to let go, not for them, for you. You need to forgive them. You need to let them go because it's destroying your life. There's relationships on this call right now that you're listening, that you're hampering your relationship with your spouse, with your children, with parents. And I'm not saying what they did was okay. It's not giving permission. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you have to let them go so that you can live the life that God's called you to live, not for their benefit, but for your benefit. And that's the vulnerability that your friend was referring to in the book. Yeah, so good. I think that our audience just got a great glimpse into who you are and what God's done in and through you and your humility and your authenticity. And it's no wonder 150 men and counting are attracted to your mastermind to be a part of it. I know I'm sure been blessed. I've been blessed even by this interview, just uh, being reminded of some things I needed to hear again and hearing some new things that I hadn't heard before, Aaron. What I want to give you the final word, any closing comment you might share. Let's keep it in the context. I mean, you can share anything you want to share. That's how much I trust you. But anything you might share in as it relates to a mastermind, isolation, anyone who may be on yeah. the fence going, hey, this sounds like something I might should look into or consider. What, what do you want to say to them? Yeah, I'll leave that decision up to the audience. We, we never pressure anybody. We don't twist arms. Uh, we don't want you to do anything that's not good for you. So I'll leave that totally up to your discretion. What I will say is though, that isolation is the enemy of excellence. If you really want to go far, you go with a tribe. You can go faster alone, obviously, but it's so solid. When you get people around you, you have the general consensus of the multitude. You have people that are warning you, maybe you should pay attention to that. Or you have people encouraging you and you've got that imposter syndrome, or you've reached that glass ceiling and you just can't push through when you've got seven or eight other people saying, Alan, I think you can do this. If you'll just modify or tweak this or lean into it, have the courage to lean into it. See, I need that in my life. I need people walking that journey with me, warning me and firing the shot across the bow to say, Hey, big, A, just pay attention. Or I need guys around me saying, Hey, I know it's hard right now. I know you're going through a trying time, but lean in like embrace the tension, really pour into your spouse, pour into your kids. The business will be there. Give that a break. Or 
you need to really lean into the business like you're being lazy and there's other things that you could do in a good way. I just want to say that you can't do that in isolation. You can't do that because if you knew better, you would have already changed it. And so I just want to encourage you to pray through, think through. If it is good for you, I've given Alan a link. It'll be in the show notes. You can check out View from the Top. Just go to that link, click on it, and it'll take you to our site. We welcome you to do that. And maybe you and I, the listener, can have a conversation. Like there's no contract that you've got to sign. Maybe fill out the application and just say, hey, Big A, I want to get in front of you. I want to see if I'd be a good fit, if it's good for me. We can do that. There's no commitments at that point. You just say, hey, I'm just checking it out. So very, very low pressure, Like not any pressure. It's just if it's good for you, we want you to do it. If it's not good for you, we don't. We're not looking for tire kickers. We're not looking for people that are not serious. Alan, you know, you've been in for a while. Right. We're about getting it done. We're not a book club. We're not hanging out, just, you know, drinking coffee, telling fish stories and your best golf. Like this is about getting it done. This is going to the next level. This is every area of your life where you level up. So go to that link. They're in the show notes and uh, check it out. And if we can help you, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Aaron. You know, when I joined back in March and I told you, I said, I am really passionate personally. I said, I want to help you to grow this thing. I want to share it with the right people that it's going to be a blessing to, because I know it's already been a blessing to me. And I believe so much in this. I believe so much that we need, as you already said so well, we need a tribe, we need a community, we need advisors and not just financial success. Yes, in our businesses, but in all these other areas as well. So that's why I asked you to come back on and just let me have this conversation with you even specifically on how isolation is the enemy and how the benefit of the masterminds and a community. So I just want to thank you again for your valuable time coming on here and sharing with our audience. It's been amazing. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. Thank you. That was awesome. I really appreciate you again doing this. Thank If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.